Hello and welcome to the Case Reopen Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Treese, and joining me, as always, is the great, the great detective from the Northeast, Colleen. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm waving, but no one can see it. I am doing fantastic, and our listeners will be none the wiser that it took me five minutes to get through that intro without messing it up. It was quite brilliant. I really wish that we had, like, a blooper reel. I, I do not. I do I did not need everybody knowing that I can't <laughs> say a simple sentence. Got totally, like, hung up on it. Emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. Well, they, they actually do know, because <laughs> you just told them. <laughs> darn it darn. Uh, we actually Spoiled again two interesting cases today and uh i was surprised to find out they were both uh anime original cases because i i don't know how you felt about these colleen but i thought these were some pretty solid episodes yeah they're pretty good um like we'll talk about it later but i particularly like the uh premise of the second one yeah, I think my whole, maybe the reason why I'm so impressed is because we did that awful episode last week, so I've forgotten, <laughs> like, how, like, de- like good Detective Cannon usually is, but these were such a huge step above a crab and well kidnapping case that I was just blown away. I was like, wow, this wasn't even written by that hack Gesho Oyama. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, the anime originals can only go up from there. For real, and up, up they did. We're going to cover first episode 66, the Night Road Murder Case. This originally aired July 7th, 1997. And uh, Conan sets us up here. He says, today's case involves the darkness of the night. The unseen mystery receives reasoning. That's an intense Ooh. open. It is. It, <laughs> it actually sounds more serious than the episode arc is. Like, I don't... I mean, somebody gets killed here, Colleen. That that is true. Yes, but sort of there's <laughs> That's this kind like, of serious. darkness versus light thing going on. Good versus evil. I don't know. It feels like it's well. Much the light comes from the more. cigarette, which is that's true. Once again, the theme of the show is that you look cool while smoking cigarettes. Yes, especially in the dark. Literally. So I really like how the show opens because we see the family leaving a restaurant. And then they bump into Omura, who you might remember from the Kogoro's class reunion episode. That was the whole way back at the end of season one. Um, So it was nice to see a familiar face again. You don't remember him? Unfortunately not. He he was like the the nerdy guy that wanted to hook up with the girl that died. And she was teasing him. She was like, hey, if we're both single when we're 40, maybe we'll just get married. And he's like, oh. Okay, yeah, he it wasn't like sold. a necrophilia thing, right? No, although I'm sure he would have been willing to take his chances. Um, because we learned that this guy is a, quite the dork here. Later on in the episode, they need, uh, I think, fishing line. And he's like, oh yeah, I have some. I build my Gundam models with it. And it's That's like, right. you, you dork. You're gonna, you're definitely going to be alone when you're 40. Poor guy. Aww. <laughs> Poor Omura. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I forgot you. <laughs> he's I'll so never forget him before again. That. Yeah, he's yeah, just a I sad guy. I don't think guy. we ever see him again. No, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> he never invites Kogoro over again. Yeah, I wouldn't invite him over. I do like how they bring him back though, because I feel like we don't see that often enough. I feel like 
if they did this more for like the anime originals just bring back a character or two i mean maybe it gets complicated just because you don't know who's going to be important you know from like oyama's perspective and if he wants to bring his minor character back in the manga and you don't want to create any issues but like if they could get the okay to like just bring back a person or two from like old cases i think that would like freshen up a lot of add some interesting wrinkles um to the case yeah i would like to see that actually in that same vein i've been wanting to see like a reoccurring villain like besides the black organization but like this kind of sort of dumb villain who uh, can never get the case right but he never gets arrested or anything because he doesn't like you know sort of like the bumbling fool that tries to be this criminal mastermind but it doesn't work out yeah i think that would be really fun if they did that against like the detective boys like they had like some bumbling arch like rival or arch nemesis yeah, yeah. that would be fun did you know i don't i don't even remember when they introduced it but there's like the detective girls have you seen those what no this is in this show yeah, this is detective uh, conan we're talking wow wait so does i, I think so. like switch groups let me find out i think i think that's a thing i might be making this up unless <laughs> it's like, like unless it's check. fan art and they cha- they turn detective all the detective boys into girl. girls man i think i'm making this up i, I swear this is a thing and now google is letting me down um I feel like I messed up here. Yeah, I was so certain that this was a thing. I thought they they had, had like an original anime episode about the detective girls. I think I'm making this wow, up though. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, now I'm now it might become a thing. <laughs> Man, I really thought they had like. <laughs> Where am I? Oh, maybe it was an so OVA there was, special. Let me check. There was an OVA that had like mirror images of the de- detective boys, like. They had really similar names. These are it's basically the detective boys in um, in Osaka, I guess, because it was a Heiji episode. I don't know if you remember that one, but it was like they were very much. Mm. There was a Genta version, like an Osaka Genta and an Osaka Mitsuhiko. Was it a female? Were they females? No, no. Oh, the only one was the Ayumi lookalike. I feel like I made this up, which makes me feel bad. Because I got really excited to tell you about something that didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. Yeah, I can find Maybe nothing that indicates that exists. So, uh, apologies on my end. Clearly, this is... <laughs> I'm on my A game today. I, I can't do the intro. I'm making up Conan facts that I somehow... I didn't even will it into existence. I'm just, I guess, hopeful. But, uh, yeah, we meet Amura again. Uh, and he's been having an issue. He's been hearing a weird sound at night. Every night at his de- apartment, he'll hear something hitting the side of the wall. And uh, he looks down for it. He can't find anybody there. Kogoro agrees to investigate the situation. And they all go to Amura's place to check it out. But uh, really, this is just an excuse for Mori to get drunk with Amura. And uh, boy, they're just laying down the beers at first. This reminds me of the introduction to the last episode, where they were in the beer garden. So I'm seeing this trend. Yeah, he might have a drinking it problem. He might. Yeah, I'm starting to think he might uh be a bit of an alcoholic. So the the weird thing is, uh, and 
You'll say it in a second, so sorry for oh yeah. So thunder, but... Ron buys beard. <laughs> yeah, when she's the one who's always on his uh, back for drinking, but in this one they're like, "Oh, we need more beer." So Ron's like, "Oh, I'll go, Dad," and then they run off with Conan. So it's a little out of character for her. See, I think she'll she did that because a he's in no condition to be walking around the street and stuff. So I think it's probably safer for him just to, you know, sit there and her get the drinks because he's gonna wind up getting it either way. Um, oh, you think so? Like that was the other option. He could have just stopped drinking. He, but he's not. <laughs> but he's not. <laughs> that's not gonna happen. Like that's yeah. like saying I could do something constructive with my time. Like it's not. No, that's not happening. Yeah, you are. You're, you're hosting a Detective Conan podcast. I wonder what's the legal age for alcohol in uh, Japan. Let me find out. Because I was surprised she could just buy it. Oh, that's true. All right. So the minimum drinking and smoking age is twenty years old. So I wonder if you can buy it. What? That's a. Why would you be able to buy it before you could? Hmm. I don't. Unless they're. Maybe they're lenient. just lax. Yeah, maybe they yeah, don't exactly. care. But yeah, apparently yeah, but... showing your ID is required. So maybe it was different in the nineties. You know, we have to. Or we have she to has remember. a fake ID. So that'd be cool. <laughs> that would be cool. I can imagine Ron being such a rule breaker, though, to have a fake ID. Yeah, she's got uh, that troublemaker side to her. I mean, she's Kogoro's kid. Come on. Uh, while they're coming back, so Conan goes with her too. So you have this right, like to boot sixteen-year-old <laughs> like girl, <laughs> and then yeah, this very small ch- child uh, getting beer. So they're just gonna have quite the party. Clearly, uh, they're coming back, and we see this man smoking, and then they arrive back. And as soon as Mori starts drinking again, we hear this loud noise, and that's when Amora's window is broken. They all look outside and they see a man asking someone named Akuda if he's okay. And uh, that's when we find out that he's dead. Mori then runs downstairs. He confirms the death and he tells Ron to call the police. Conan then notices a bunch of cigarette butts by his feet. And Kogoro mentions that he was struck on the side of his head. So uh, we have a murder quite quickly here. Yeah, I did not expect that. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, shocking. I mean, Detective <laughs> Cannon episode. Inspector Megary then arrives and he identifies the victim as the 20-year-old Akuda Yishiro. He's a second-year student at Baker University. We then learn that the man that found the body was his classmate, Kusaka. He says that they decided to meet here at 10 o'clock and they were chatting for a few minutes when he suddenly fell to the ground. He didn't see anything since it was so dark out, and the streetlight that he was standing by was broken. Kogoro then says that Kusaka likely killed him when another student, Shimizu, runs in. He said that he had been drinking with Akuda in his friend's room across the street on the fifth floor, and that's when we meet the owner of the room, Takino, who is also a student in Nakamura. Uh, we learn that they're all members of the Mountaineering Club, so they just climb mountains. Have you ever climbed a mountain, Colleen? 
uh not not like a true mountain more it was more like a hill i guess i I mean i've been hiking but not i haven't conquered everest you've gone up a hill that's impressive (laughs) i mean i've gone up a few hills in my day that's right i guess the greatest there are big hills there are small hills that's true there are a lot of different types of hills there's hank hills I guess the biggest mountain I've ever climbed was uh, reading all 1,000 plus chapters of the Detective Conan manga. So, Oh, that is huge. Yeah. Thank you. When they talk about the Mountaineering Club, though, I kind of picture, what was his name? The guy from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? The mountain- Santa? Dude. No. the One of Rudolph's friends- <laughs> Ivan of the Yukon, or whatever his name was. You don't remember that guy? Let me see. I feel like I'm not making this up. Like the detective girls. Ivan? Is that his name? I don't know. Is that what you said? Ivan. I thought it was Ivan. I'm not seeing Ivan. Let's see. I feel like you're making stuff up now. No, I hope not. All right, let's... So yeah, he's a mountaineer, or is that the technical term? Is he a mountaineer? Mountaineer. Mm. Mm. You're talking about like the stop motion thing, right? Yeah, like the claymation. All right, we got movie. Sam. Let me let me run down the cast here for our Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer <laughs> rewatch podcast. We got Sam the Snowman. We got Yukon Cornelius, who's the greatest. Him. Okay, so Yukon. Yukon Cornelius. So that's what I picture when I picture a mountaineer. Okay, I remember old Yukon. He's a cool guy. I guess he was a mountaineer. But he does kind of look like Santa, like with a brown beard or reddish brown. Oh, man. There's this guy that's doing Yukon Cornelius cosplay. Wow. Maybe it's one of these guys. The Mountaineering Club. That'd be cool. At least they have something to do. I respect that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Learned that they had all been drinking uh, in that room since 7pm. But uh, Akuda went outside right before 10. It said that Kusaka called him at 9, but Kusaka denies making any phone call. They then say that Akuda went to the convenience store to buy some snacks at the behest of Takino. Kusaka then says that Akuda left a note in his locker at the university to meet him there. That's when we learned that Akuda had stolen Kusaka's tuition and that he doesn't have the note saying to meet him. So we quickly meet about five characters here and uh, they're all quite mysterious, but uh, it seems like Kusaka has done it. Uh, Did you doubt his innocence here? Because they're making it pretty clear that he has a reason to kill him and he was the person closest to him. Yeah, they're really making it seem that way, but um, there's actually one thing that happened in this scene that made me suspicious of another guy. I don't know uh, if you want me to go into my theory. but Yeah, go into your theory. Uh, so it was when, uh, oh gosh, what was his name? Shimizu was explaining sort of what happened, and he said that Takino is the one who told ikuda to go to the convenience store that's when i was like okay that's the guy i feel like that's him 
because oftentimes in Conan, you'll get somebody doing something, one little thing that ends up being actually more important than you might think. And I thought in this episode, that was the action. There we go. So I was actually really surprised to find out I was right, though. <laughs> See, you're bro- that's why they call you the detective of the Northeast. You're like they call me like it's only you but i really appreciate it oh no your reputation your reputation's then uh very far and wide is that so yeah does yukon cornelius know see you're much smarter he's even more north- <laughs> he's more northern than i am you're much smarter than kogoro because he's completely all in on kusaka being uh the villain and he points out yeah. that he had a motive to kill Kusaka then mentions that the others hated Akuda as well. Uh, Nakamura and Takino also hated him. Nakamura owed Akuda a lot of money. And it's revealed that Nakamura went outside for some fresh air right when Akuda went out around 10. As for Takino, he hated Akuda for leaving a female member of their club stranded in a blizzard where she wound up dying. Uh, that woman was Takino's girlfriend. So, uh, you know, we have some tragic backstory, which is very common for conan like we can't have like a college club without some like mysterious death yeah exactly like this would have never happened if they were the chess club or <laughs> i don't know yeah, it's always like the yacht club that like oh this woman drowned or it's like oh this woman yeah i don't know even when they had the film club for like sonico's uh sister like even they wound up having a death so it's always something Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just want to state that I am a gentleman and I would never leave a woman uh, stranded behind in a blizzard <laughs> okay I'm just putting that on the record so that's when uh, like your very your many mountaineering expeditions particularly yeah. when you read Detective Conan exactly the, the, no, the mountain that you conquered no woman was left behind during those <laughs> thousand plus manga chapters <laughs> Let me say that right now. Uh, we learned that uh, Takino hasn't stepped out of the room, uh, but he was alone at 10 o'clock as he had to work on a report in his room. Uh, Kogura believes that he could have climbed down with the rope, but they quickly learned that it's impossible to due to the window only opening a small amount, which really seems like a useless window. I know, right? I was like, why does he even have... Oh, are there windows like that, or is it just broken? I think there's windows like that, but I wouldn't want one installed. It seems really useless. I guess it's just to get a breeze in, but then like, there's no netting or like a screen, so you get all the dust and flies coming in and whatnot. Yeah, so. I guess it makes sense for like a an apartment like complex type thing, where like, I could see like a hotel having windows like that, but yeah, it doesn't make a ton of... I wouldn't want that in my house, a window that barely yeah. opens. Uh, Conan then asks why the lights were off if he was writing a report, but Kogar is like, no, this doesn't matter. <laughs> I know. He just totally dismisses it. I'm like, that's a really good point. Spoiler, it totally matters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kogar... So basically, whenever Kogoro says it doesn't matter or that's wrong, like, pay attention to that because it's exactly. oftentimes the trigger. Conan then finds a slingshot in the room, and that's when he sees a phone in a red thread in his uh, aquarium we then see a bunch of cigarette butts that are the same brand 
that were found by Akuta's feet. So we learn that he's a chain smoker. Once again, very cool. Uh, but, and... uh, remember, kids, smoking kills, as we see in this case. <laughs> is that why he died? You know what? Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> Damn. Uh, Conan runs downstairs and he realizes that Amora's room is right below Takino's room, and he wonders what broke his window. He then finds blood on the window fragments and wonders if it's the victim's blood. Who else's blood would it be, Conan? Come on. You're slipping, Conan. You're hanging out with Kogoro too much. Police then find blood by the wall, and Conan says that the blood stain where Akuta was standing and the shattered window is a straight line. He then checks the roof of the abandoned building next door. And that's where he finds more blood that helps Conan figure out the case. So he's got it all figured out. And uh, I was completely surprised by how the like murder occurred. Because I paused the video and I was trying to think of like, why is this shit in a straight line? How could he possibly kill this dude? And I could just not come up with anything. Uh, did you have any luck like figuring out the crime itself? No, not really. Like, I didn't remember this case that well. The only thing I remembered was uh, the fact that uh, this, the victim was smoking in the dark and like the, the, the light from the cigarette was going to be the important piece to... You know why you remembered that, Colleen? You remembered that because smoking looked cool. You were like, man, <laughs> that guy standing in the dark, which is a cigarette, yeah. illuminating his handsome face. That's a cool guy. He looks like um, a firefly. Yeah, this is actually <laughs> also how I try to meet chicks. I just stand in like dark alleyways with a cigarette and um, nobody ever approaches me. But I look very cool. Yeah, that's all that's important. That's all that yeah. matters. One of these days, somebody's going to be like, wow, you're cool. And I'm going to be like, yup. One of these days, you're going to meet a nice young lady on a dark corner <laughs> vaping. <laughs> Yeah, she's going to be like, it's 200 an hour. I'm going to be like, what? <laughs> Conan proceeds to knock out Kogoro and he starts his deduction show. He says that the most important thing is the location of the murder weapon. And he points out the three different blood stains. Uh, so we get to see uh, Inspector Takagi here. And, yes. uh So he's been in like the episodes for a while here. But they haven't really given him much of a personality until... I feel like we finally got to see him with a little bit of a personality here. Um, yeah. Which was nice. Um, so he goes to investigate and he's given a walkie-talkie. And that's when he finds blood on the... He finds that blood. And Kegger explains that the weapon that killed Akuda touched all three places. Uh, the killer is Takino. And he didn't actually have to physically interact with the victim. Uh, Kogoro then asks for a fishing line and Amora brings some. This is where he runs down, finds his like nerdy ass Gundams and he's like, I've got the I've got the fishing line. <laughs> it's like, of course you don't fish, I you use nerd. fishing line to hang up my models. <laughs> Damn. You probably Poor have Amora. to take one down. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Would have been great. Uh, he, he then tells Ron to put some pebbles in a plastic bag that she used for buying beer earlier. Okay, I take issue with that. What? Why? The pebbles? <laughs> the pebbles? Where is she supposed to find these pebbles? You know, pebbles. They're <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> They're... <laughs> so, okay. Like, imagine she goes outside in this, you know, clean Japanese street 
There's no pebble gardens around. Where is she getting these pebbles from? There's. It's not clean. It's the rough and tumble streets of Tokyo. <laughs> There's pebbles all around. All right. Sure. Okay. Uh, he then has Megary pick up a stone, wrap it, wrap a string around it, and then use the slingshot to shoot the pebble while aiming at the roof of the other building. Takagi's then told to untie the line and retie it around the railing with the bloodstains. Megary then takes some nearby rope, ties it to the fishing line, and then pulls on the other end of the fishing line. Ron then ties the... This is like so overly complicated. <laughs> Ron then ties the plastic bag to the other end of the rope, and Takagi runs down to the spot where the victim was was uh, standing. So this is my favorite part, and when we kind of get to see Takagi's initial role as just like comic fodder here. Because yeah. um, Megary lets go of the rope with like zero warning we see this plastic bag almost now poor takagi in the face <laughs> absolutely and that is such a reoccurring thing like takagi is always good for a deadly demonstration <laughs> the poor guy <laughs> it's actually funny because um so i watched the like the first time i watched this episode was obviously the english dub and i rewatched it today along with the japanese and I didn't care for Takagi. His name's Wilder in the English dub, by the way. Wilder? I think it's Wilder. I think it's Detective Wilder, Officer Wilder, or whatever. And he has even less of a personality <laughs> than in the early Japanese versions. Like, I, the voice actor wasn't doing it for me. Like, after getting to know Takagi better and like he, him being totally the, as you say, comedic fodder, um, he... I just remembered like why I didn't particularly care for him at the beginning, but now he's become like one of my favorites because he's just so funny, as we saw right now. Like, yeah, they definitely flush him out a lot more once he gets properly introduced in the manga. He's also one of the very rare characters where he's introduced in the anime first. So you know, it's a strange beginning for him, but. Yeah, we'll get to see a lot more of him. I always do like getting to see him in these little spots, even if he's not, even if he doesn't even like have a speaking line. I still like seeing him because it's like, hey, I know that guy. Me too. I get so excited. He's so adorable. Uh, by reeling in the rope, uh, it then hit right before, right, sorry. <clears throat> by reeling in the rope, it then hit right below Amora's shattered window. That explains the noise that Amora had been hearing each night because he had been practicing this trick. However, it didn't go as planned tonight, and the window was shattered. Kogoro then explains that Kusaka didn't call the victim, and it was all Takino the whole time. Uh, he simply played a recording on an audio cassette on a timer, and he had written the note to frame Kusaka. We also learned that he broke the streetlight, and because he knew exactly where Akuda would stand, due to him constantly smoking and lighting a cigarette. So, uh, yeah, cigarettes kills, like you said, yep. Colleen. Don't smoke. You might die. See, it's such a, a tough moral quandary. It's like, do you want to die or do you want to be cool? And it sucks that it's either one or the other. There's absolutely no other way to be cool. <laughs> That's right. It's a black and white situation. Yeah, it's a tough choice that everybody has to make. Sadly, me, me and you, Colleen, not cool. We're super uncool. <laughs> Uh, I've come to accept that, though. <laughs> I don't know, Colleen. I think you're pretty cool. 
Aw, do you thanks. Takina then Oh yeah, you too. Oh, <laughs> Oh, that was almost like Delayed more of a diss reaction. than like anything. Yeah, like I feel like I would have felt better about myself if you didn't even bring that up. But that See, you know, I, doing it so I late, paused, I, was like, Oof. I paused on purpose though. It was for comedic effect. Damn, playing playing with my heart just for some laughs. laughs. Uh, Tina tells them to search the room as they won't find any plastic bags, and that's when Kogro says that he's wearing thick mountain climbing socks. Did you know there were specific socks for mountain climbing, Colleen? Um, given that I've only, <laughs> I've only climbed large hills, no, I didn't realize that there were specific mountain climbing. But uh, it makes sense though, because it, it could get cold. Like you need thick socks. Um, so I love the part, this part in particular, where they're so they've got Megary looking at the guy's socks. <laughs> Actually, I don't want to go too far ahead but he he's wearing red socks right yeah and actually i'll let you finish because then they talk about the thread so go ahead (laughs) all right um so he said that he turned them inside out and filled it with pebbles Uh, where are they getting all these pebbles i know see you were la- you were laughing at me first. You know, because at first I was like, okay, so they had all these cigarette butts everywhere and I was like, did he somehow like put together several pounds of cigarette butts and like hit them? I'm like, this makes no sense. Like they're so light. So I would I, like, not put it past this guy though. Yeah, he's but... just a chain like he smokes that much that he could collect pounds of yeah i thought he just had hundreds of them because you see them all dumped on the ground there and it looked very unnatural so so that's the thing i clued on on i was like these are gonna have to be a part of the story no the dude just smokes a lot that's it like there was no explanation right um so yeah the pebbles hit him and the evidence that he used these socks is a red thread that got caught on the water plant in the aquarium and uh, then we learn that there's a blood stain from the victim on one of his socks. Uh, what what did you enjoy about Megary here? Okay, so Megary takes a look at the guy's socks, and they're red. And then Ron's standing right beside this guy, and she also has red socks on. So for a split second, I just thought, okay, how is nobody maybe suspicious of Ron because she's got red socks as well, and like. It's a red thread, so they're just totally looking at the the mountain socks and not at Ron's red socks. But it's, yeah, it was just one of those moments where I was like, hmm, nobody noticed that. Like, why are her socks red as well? See, maybe you figured out the true criminal, the great detective of the Northeast. She's on the case. It was case. actually Ron. Like, wh- well, that would make sense. How does she know where to get the pebbles? See? She knew, she knew the source the first time around so she could get them the second time. Takino then admits to the crime. He says that it felt like he was left all alone in the world after his girlfriend died, but he tried his best not to hold a grudge. However, he later walked in on Akuda talking to Kisaka, and he uh, he overheard Akuda say that he had left her behind because she had turned down his advances. That's when he just could not forgive him over uh, letting her die over such a dumb reason. And then Kusaka had laughed at the reasoning, and that's why he framed him. So we do get a tragic backstory here, and I, it's kind of understandable why he killed the guy. You know, like the love of his life was died, like died over such a petty manner in this 
guy seems like a real shithead stealing people's tuition and whatnot. Uh, we, we didn't really get a speech from uh, Kyogre here either saying like murdering is never all right. Even even Kyogre was kind of like, eh, I kind of see where you're coming from. <laughs> right. Um, this whole part, though, is drastically different in the dub. Oh. Like the guy, yeah, so the, uh, the guy, the murderer, turns out that he also planned to murder his girlfriend, who was actually a fiancé in the dub. So what happened was they got married, like, three weeks before this mountain trip, and <laughs> he took a life insurance policy out on her. What the hell? Planned to kill her. This other guy, the guy who ended up, the, the victim found out about it and so Takino had to bring him in on it so they were in on it together and then uh, later on at the bar when uh, Ikuda was talking to uh, I guess it was Kusaka about it he was saying how like it was all his plan and whatnot and the guy was just flipping out he's like no it was my plan <laughs> that was the reason why he murdered him and wow. then he wanted to frame Kusaka they but completely changed Takino guys a complete jerk because he wanted the life insurance policy from his wife. Yeah, these are very different interpretations there. Like, wow. Yeah. Jesus. Just wanted to make a note of that. Yeah, <laughs> that's... This, this Takino guy is all of a sudden less, like, just in the dub. Yeah, I wonder why they would make that change. I guess maybe because, like, the criminal didn't seem like a bad enough person so they changed it but still oh maybe that's a, that's a lot um, yeah because i mean usually they'll tweak little things but this like totally changed everything after the ending song we see kigura is still getting drunk with amora it's a uh, 2 a.m and Amora's like man you should probably go home but he's like i'm not even tired and uh we get a little jab from conan who's like yeah of course you're not tired you were sleeping while you know it was being solved yeah while conan was doing all the work we get a a nice little scene with ron there she's uh looking sad because her dad's an alcoholic (laughs) out the window yeah but she's enabling it yeah she's staring at the stars and she says that tonight is a tanabata which is a the only day that so it's from this like japanese folklore thing where these two gods are like separated and they're only allowed to meet one day per year so that's the day she's referring to and she wonders how shinichi's doing on this day and then conan comforts her by saying he's likely looking at the very same stars she's looking at so we get a cute little scene there oh and then we get the constellation shinichi we do it's like the end of uh, Disney's Hercules, where Hercules gets his own constellation. So now it's like Shinichi gets his own constellation, because he's just that great. Aw, good for Shinichi. Good um, for Shinichi. <laughs> what a likable guy. Yeah, what'd you think about uh, this episode? I thought it was, uh, man, I, I thought it was really good until you told me about how terrible Takino is in the dub, and now I'm like, Ugh. Oh, I'm sorry, I ruined it for you. <laughs> But I, I thought the case was interesting. I thought the like the way he set up the murder was interesting. Where he got the pebbles was uh, quite the mystery. I liked seeing Amora again, even if you didn't remember him from uh, <laughs> his original appearance. I'm never going to forget him again. Yeah. Uh, Although he never comes back. I, I liked the little scene with Ron and Ken in there. I always like it when they give them some character development time. I, I thought this was really solid uh, anime original. 
Yeah, I thought it was a decent episode. Uh, I love seeing my boy Takagi again. It, it feels like it's been a while since we saw him, so I was excited uh, to see him in action. And like you said, they added a little bit more of his personality in this one rather than just like a generic officer. Yeah. Um, yeah, what I appreciated about this episode uh, that they tend to do, sometimes they won't, but um, because the, the trick was so elaborate, they actually explain that the guy practiced it a few times so i liked that because it actually made it a little bit more realistic in my eyes because if this was just like the one night that he did this um trick and actually succeeded it would have been totally unbelievable to me yeah i like that too they definitely don't do that enough because like i like when they do it because they've definitely done this a few other times like there was that uh, case with the museum where like they thought it was haunted because they would hear this you know knight in armor rumbling about and it was the guy practicing for the trick so like anytime they can like throw that in i think that's always a nice touch and adds to the realism of the cases yeah exactly so yeah overall i, I enjoyed it yeah so both give this episode a thumbs up it looks like uh we get the next conan's hint which is vinyl tape I do not remember vinyl. Oh, I, I guess I do. Never mind. In the next uh, one, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like the Conan's hint could have been like a star or something. But yeah. Vinyl tape, okay. Uh, Conan says, the next episode features a strange elderly detective. And uh, I thought the joke was going to be like, who, Kogoro? But um, Ginta goes, I hear it's Kogoro's mentor. So I feel like Ginta could have been used for better comedic effect here. All right, we move on to episode 67, the stage actress murder case. It's originally aired July 14th, 1997. Uh, Conan informs us that today's case involves the world of actors. Behind the spotlight lies a jealous, murderous intention. Colleen, are you very theatrical? Uh, Yeah, I have a few plays, musicals under my belt. I, I prefer watching. I prefer being a spectator than an actor but uh yeah i did the whole high school play thing yeah i kind of figured you would (laughs) you struck (laughs) me as a you struck me as a a theater nerd yeah totally yeah i'm the one uh singing as some people call it show tunes oh i i don't like that term but what what can i say it's rather fancy i I just imagine you like wearing a top hat now and have a little (laughs) like cane out there yeah that's that's what i do on my weekends i could <laughs> wow what a <laughs> what a way to spend your free time calling i'm not judging you. that's pretty when cool. i'm not watching detective conan i'm wearing a top hat and <laughs> just dancing for my own amusement can you tap dance no no i can't dance at all Huh. Who am I kidding? Mm-hmm. Um, how about you? How uh, do you feel about the theater? I've never done any any acting, although I I think I'd be very good at it, despite me messing up my introduction line <laughs> earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can but, see uh, you in like a Shakespeare, like Hamlet, to be or not to be. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'd be a method actor. I want to be like. I want to be like the Joker everybody hated. The the guy from, uh, what, 30 uh, Seconds to Mars? Jared Leto. Oh, is that Jared Leto? Yeah. Yeah, I want to just be like 
a complete douchebag the entire time during right. filming. So that's that's how I would enjoy acting. I feel bad. No one let him get away with it. They're just like, yeah, we we understand that he was being the Joker, but didn't give him <laughs> the authority to do that to us. The episode begins with an old man arriving at the Mori Detective Agency. We learn that his name is Shiota Haihachiro, and he reveals himself as Kogoro's sensei, and that he bailed him out often when Kogoro started the agency. Uh, he's a legendary detective known as the Holmes of Japan, basically the Colleen of Japan. <laughs> you know it. Ron says that uh, her dad's currently on a case about a famous theatrical troupe being threatened. And that's when he tells Ron to lead the way. And Conan's just downright giddy about getting to watch this legendary detective work. It's so cute to see Conan fanboying. Meanwhile, at the theater, Kogoro is reading a threat that says to cancel the show. But the producer, Matoki Kazuo, isn't willing to do so. He then complains about the main actress as she thinks everything revolves around her after getting a starring role on a television show. Ron and Conan then appear out of nowhere, and that's when they reveal that the old geezer is here. Kagura is not very happy about seeing his old sensei. And uh, one thing I really enjoyed this whole episode was just seeing the old man and how everybody interacted with him from Kogoro to Megari later. later. I thought this was a super fun character, and I kind of wish he appeared more more than just this once, because I thought there's so many like good potential here with like, oh, this is where Kogoro like learned all his ways. Like, I thought this was a really great setup. Yeah, I agree. I um I really like the premise of this uh, this sensei coming in and guiding him through this, although. Um, at first when he's introduced it's almost like he's introduced as Kogoro's sensei in detective work and then later on we we find out oh it's more like he's his sensei in pervy ways the perv oh. arts <laughs> the pervy arts yep um, so we loudly hear this woman scream and uh, so they, they rush backstage thinking somebody had died. And that's when Conan finds the legendary detective in a headlock from the main interest, Shoko. Um, we learned that he had groped her butt. And he, right. he starts playing the victim immediately. He says, forgive me. I'm just an old man with not much time left in the world. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's very clear where Kogoro got his womanizing ways from. Yeah. Actually, he this guy is even more bold than Kogoro. I've never seen Kogoro do this. Yeah, Kogoro thinks about it, but he stops himself. The actress complains about the producer and says that her ex-boyfriend is the leading actor. And that's when we see another actress by the name of Nakayama Aiko complain about her. Uh, <laughs> after she leaves, we get quite the life lesson from uh, Hihachiro. He says that the actress has a lot to learn as the butt is a good indicator of one's personality. One touch is enough to find out how one lives. Interesting. That's like the first time I've heard that. Well, there's a lot to learn, clearly, Colleen. Yes, a lot to learn. and um, So he uh, puts this in motion here. Things in this world. Yeah. As he grabs Ron's butt and she goes to roundhouse kick him in the face, but he pulls Kogro in front of her. 
and yeah. her dad just gets knocked out here. I could not believe that sequence. Just the fact that this old guy was grabbing her butt. And then, yeah, oh my gosh. And then the guy just goes, oh, she's a lively one. jeez. <laughs> oh, so, like, clearly, he learned a lot from her butt there. Right. He learned that. See, I feel like he could have just equally have learned that from her roundhouse kick. Like, oh, she's lively. <laughs> <laughs> But no, he obviously had to learn that from her derriere. Well, I can't blame him. If, if, if the method You can't works. blame him. You endorse this. <laughs> this is now the no, method no, you're going to no. use. Colleen, I would not endorse this. Let me say this. He's correct in that you can learn a lot from a person's butt. But you need consent before you find out. Okay. I, th- I think we can all agree with that. I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> we then see the actors uh, taping lines on the ground. Uh, vinyl taping. Uh, and Ron asks what they're doing uh, to an assistant. She says that they're marking the spot somewhere they're supposed to stand. We then overhear a production guy and Shoko's manager arguing from above. And we learn that a stage light almost fell on Shoko last week. Conan walks up and the woman is allowed to check out the stage. Uh, he then asks if somebody's trying to kill Shoko, and she says that it's something like that. Oh boy, is it ever! Um, that that it was too dangerous for Conan to get up to be up there, so she has him leave. Uh, that's when we get to see the rehearsal, and uh, it's a very sad story about. It's kind of like Romeo and Juliet, I guess, where it's like forbidden love, and uh, it all revolves around this dramatic scene where they pledge their. Uh, love to each other and commit suicide by uh taking poison but they're like Um, sitting at a garden table yeah (laughs) it's so weird and this waitress comes over (laughs) gives them water that's right like what kind of death cult has like a nice restaurant and a a waitress whose dress is Um. a maid it was weird too. Yeah, Ron is just absolutely sobbing, and the legendary detective is just like, oh, "This is boring. I've seen, I've seen this too many times." Yeah, didn't he say something like, "Oh, they should have done uh, a play about this guy." I forget the name of the guy, but the note said that he was like some uh, ancient gambler. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> uh, so both of the actors take uh, poison in the script, and they collapse. And the show's over, but that's when we learn that Shoko's actually dead. Gasp. Indeed. Kogoro tells nobody to move, and Conan's shocked that somebody killed someone right in front of his eyes. And it's like, dude, this happens like every episode. It's like, <laughs> you're good at solving crimes, but you are not good at stopping them, my man. Oh, that's true. Although later on, I think they start having cases where he actually prevents crimes. So that's a little twist. Now, for this whole bit... I just, I wasn't buying it because if someone's threatening to kill you, why would you ever go ahead and continue acting in a scene where you're supposed to consume some sort of powder poison well, and then die? Like, isn't that, that seems like a really obvious way of planting actual poison. Well, Colleen, it seems like you're not a, a fan of the arts as much as you say you are <laughs> because the the beauty of the script comes first she has to play her role 
and do it correctly and do it justice. Although uh, for yes. like an like this the was just mantra, the show must go on. Yeah, exactly. But uh, this was just them like rehearsing, so you probably could have just not like ate the fucking poison, <laughs> you know? Right, right. <laughs> like you probably could. Their their method. That's why. Clearly. Uh, Inspector Megary arrives, and that's when Hihachiro reveals that she was poisoned with cyanide. He mentions that Megary talks like a big shot now, but back when he was a young pup, it was Hihachiro who saved his butt after he left a murder suspect escape, and that he remembers solving a murder that had you running around like a rat in a maze. <laughs> uh, so we, this was a really fun scene. We get to see Kogoro and Megary whispering to each other, and they're like, We've got to figure this out before this old man does. We'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> it's wonderful. I would have loved to have seen a flashback of when Kogoro and Megari were like young officers oh, yeah. on the force. Yeah. And they had to listen to this guy. Oh, missed opportunity. Whoever yeah, wrote that, this. I it wasn't Go Show Oyama. So. No. Some other hack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Kogoro then accuses Uda, the leading man of the murder. He says that it's. Re- Oh, sorry. Uda says that it's ridiculous as he has no motive. The producer says that isn't completely true as they used to date. And Uda says that Shoko criticized the producer as well. Conan finds the death tricky due to the cyanide killing people instantly. And she was able to drink water after ingesting the prop poison. That must mean that the prop wasn't the poison. To prove it's not poisonous, the actor then dramatically ingests more of the prop. Like, you can see why these guys did not, like... Let a death threat, like, stop this. Like, they're so... Dr- like, he literally saw somebody die from poison, and he's like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna dramatically eat more of it. I would even argue it was seductively. He, like, took that piece of paper oh. and licked it. You were into it? Yeah, he was just like, okay, I'm not even gonna, like, make noises, but... Uh... No, no, please, please make noises. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I think everyone gets the idea. Alright, well, maybe we can get the noises... Maybe we can add them in and post. Just like, oh dear. <laughs> Chris is sad. Conan notes that it wasn't taken by a pill because the rehearsal took 40 minutes and it would have been digested in 15. Uh, he's also suspicious uh, about the actress that gave her the water. Hihachiro then says that this is a basic case and that the culprit is a woman. <laughs> Conan mentions... <laughs> Sounds like he's got it solved. He does have it solved. Was he... Colleen, was he not correct? He was correct. See? Kona mentions mentions the other actress, and they find her in the back looking through a bag. Kogoro pulls it from her, and Conan finds the paper that was used to write the threat letter. Ron asks him how he knew it was a woman, and he says, There's an old saying, hidden in the shows of a crime, there's always a woman. Yes, it's just all us women folk here being the criminals. Yeah, this guy's like a huge pervert. He's a misogynist, but he's also right. <laughs> and to boot, he's Kogoro and Megari's mentor. Yep. Yep. So, do you disagree that uh, hidden in the shows of a crime, there's always a woman calling? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about last episode, while it was done by a man, it was over the death of a woman. So she's still in the shadows, you know? That's right. Yeah. A lot of these cases are, you know, 
uh, vengeful lovers or or, or women, just the women doing yeah. them. Yeah, a lot of a lot of evil women in this world. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Oyama, who hurt you? Well, obviously it was Conan's voice actress. But this was before. I think he was like oh, happy okay, yeah. and in love now. He must have. He must have lived a a real life of heartbreak to where he's like, I'm just gonna work 20 hours a day and focus on my manga away from these evil women. Yeah. You know what would be interesting is if we were to look at the cases that Gosho Oyama wrote while he was married and see if they were like happy cases where the women were all really nice and beautiful human beings. And then like, right after the, the divorce, divorce hits, yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm probably going to look into that now because I'm curious. Yeah, I like this. Uh, Takagi says that they can't find the cyanide anywhere. Uh, the actress named Aiko admits to writing the letter but says that she didn't kill her. Police then say that the victim's class had a hint of cyanide, but nothing was found in the picture. She then reveals that it was Tatioka, the production guy, that prepared the glasses. It's revealed that Shoka didn't like him because he had been caught peeping while he was changing. So everybody's a pervert here. Colleen can't relate can't relate (laughs) who you yeah i can't i would never do such a thing Uh, all right i believe you as soon as they start throwing a suspicion on this peeping tom hihachira is like oh no he's innocent he's a man he he cannot do this crime that's right a good souled man could not possibly have done this tatioka then one thing i really wish this episode went into at the very end was if he had actually like figured out the case and like he wasn't just being super misogynist or like I just wish we got a a full mm-hmm. a fuller look at how he was determining this because we never really get to know either way if like oh he's just being this way because he's an old man or if he was actually smart and had figured things out um, because there is a spot later on where he kind of gives Conan a hint in a roundabout way that. Conan often gives Kogoro hints, you know? Yes, yeah. About the thread. So, like, that made me think, you know, maybe he's trying to, like, lead Conan and everybody else to the conclusion, you know, but we never really see that because, spoiler, Conan just knocks him out like everybody else. Yeah, it, it's really too bad. Because then, because, uh, like, we're, we've always just assumed that Conan slash Shinichi is the, the greatest detective, at least so far. Like, later on, there are other characters that are also pretty good and heiji you know heiji's also good but like it would have been really cool to see this aging detective yeah outsmart conan like he apparently has it all figured out from the get-go and conan's still running around trying to figure out how this even yeah uh, took place Uh, like just one all we needed was one little line that showed he didn't know it or something and i would have been even more of a fan of this episode uh tatioka then says that he didn't poison her Although he did try to hurt her by rigging the drop curtain previously. And uh, that's when we see the curtain actually collapse again. And it almost winds up hitting Kegaro, who, like, barely avoids it, but winds out, like, uh, pulling his back out, avoiding it. So he gets carried out via his stretcher. Yeah. And uh, his sensei is, like, really enjoying this. He's like, oh, I'll cover for you. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, then we see Conan deep in thought here. And Ihachira is like, you know, you look more like a detective than Kogoro does. Which is very funny. 
Yeah, because it's true. Conan asks how he thinks the poison. Uh, sorry, Conan asks how he thinks the culprit poisoned Shoko, and he says that only God knows that answer. He then asks Conan if he's heard of the novel The Spider's Thread. He says that all good things and all bad things are clearly visible to Buddha. He then points out how ugly it is seeing everybody argue on stage. The fools are fighting among themselves. They don't realize they're exposing their ugliness. It's the same as those fools who cut the thread sent by Buddha. Uh, that's when Conan figures out the case. So let me uh, take a brief detour here because I actually looked up the spider's thread Ooh, okay. to learn more about this. Uh, so he sh- he says, uh, he doesn't say Buddha. He says uh, uh, Shakya Muni, which is just like Buddha's first name in the uh, Sanskrit. So uh, basically the plot of this story is that Buddha is hanging around paradise one morning. He's checking stuff out. Between the lilies, he's able to see the depths of hell calling. Okay. And he looks at one sinner by the name of uh, Kandata. And he was a cold-hearted criminal. But one day, he was uh, walking through the forest. And he decided not to kill a spider. So he moved his foot out of the way. And Sabuda's like, wow, that was a nice act from this guy. Maybe he's redeemable. So he takes the silvery thread of a spider in paradise and he lowers it down through there to hell. And the guy finds this, the thread and he starts climbing it because he has a way out of hell now. And he gets about halfway there. He gets really tired and he's like, oh man. But he, he notices he's almost there. So he's like, oh, I can, I can do this. But then he looks down and he sees all these other sinners also climbing onto the, the spider's web. And he's like, oh, get off this. This is for me. And he starts showing his selfishness because he thought that all their combined weight would, you know, make the spider string collapse. So he's like, oh, get away, get away. And so the selfishness winds up cutting the, uh, the spider's thread. So that's what he's, uh, that's what the detective's talking about when, like, the ugliness of others because we saw like a redeemable quality in the sinner, but then his true selfish desires, you know, enter the end where he's like, he only wants to come out of hell. He's not really concerned with helping anybody other. So yeah, that's the little a cool story. story there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this whole part felt like very philosophical for Conan, like how there is. They're just talking about sort of yeah. We don't get the much ugly like side of humanity. Yeah, Buddhism thoughts in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, that, that's. Uh, I'm really glad that you looked into that because I like mythology and although the story, while itself is very cool and interesting, I I still don't understand the connection between the case. <laughs> I mean, besides the thread, which gave well, I think Conan he's just giving them the hint like i think he had it all figured out that's my connection i think he was being canon where canon will be like what, what, what's, what's the noise he goes he's like a la lili or whatever <laughs> that's it yeah <laughs> and like i think this is like the old wise man version of that where he was like let me mention <laughs> some stuff that's totally not connected but we'll give you a hint so i think right. that's well, I yeah, I mean the that. the alternative was oh I went fishing the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I used this thread. Oh, thread! I got it. But yeah, it was kind of cool to get that. 
Conan runs up the platform and he finds a star that dangles directly over the table. And that's when he finds a broken fishing line. Conan then looks at everybody's hands and he figures out who did it. However, he can't knock out Kogoro as he's not there. So he decides to knock out the legendary detective instead. Uh, as Hihachiro, Conan starts to laugh and says that the culprit was waiting for everybody's attention to be on the stars of the show to commit the crime. He says that the background was completely black and that's when they made their move. However, the culprit didn't approach the table as they dropped the cyanide from above. He then references the thread and says that one of the stars above is bent as it got tangled with the fishing line used during the crime. On the end of the fishing line was a weight, and that weight was laced with cyanide. Uh, the culprit had moved the weight down, dipped it into the glass, and then retrieved it. He then reveals that the culprit could have done this from anywhere, rather than having to be up top at the time, as they just needed a lengthy enough fishing line. So even, like, uh, the nerdy guy who uses <laughs> fishing line... Omoro. Oh, yeah, Amora. He could have done it from his home. <laughs> That's if he, had right. a, he had a long enough line. Yeah, but he wouldn't have uh, wasted a line on yeah, something true. like this. He needed to hang up his models. Very true. Uh, the culprit can be found by checking everybody's hands, and Megary tells everyone to open both of their hands, but one person doesn't. It's Shoko's manager. Da, da, da. Her name is Hitomi. Uh, she reveals that her she reveals her hands, and we see that fishing line marks are there. He reveals that the fishing line is probably still in her pocket because she couldn't go anywhere to throw it out. The actor asked Hitomi if it was because he broke up with her to be with Shoko, but that isn't the case. However, she revealed that she broke up with Uda and said that she'd give him back to her, um, and she just couldn't forgive the fact that she wasn't serious about the relationship. She was okay with uh, her ex-boyfriend leaving her for somebody else. But the fact that the actress that died kind of just made it all into a game and wasn't ever interested. She just wanted to take him to, to prove that she could, basically. Um, so she she wasn't cool with that. And that's why she decided to kill her. Uh, which is kind of a... I don't know. I thought it was kind of a weak justification because this guy doesn't seem that great. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's... <laughs> obviously a great actor <laughs> um in the dub they changed this as well a little bit oh made her made her uh the uh the manager turns out that she was pregnant with this guy's child <laughs> what is and... okay i love how the dub makes everything so much extra dramatic and like double crosses and higher stakes like oh my god yeah but for no real reason and then um what so she's pregnant well, she got rid of the baby. Oh, when the guy dumped her, and then so I guess there was two murders. Yeah. <laughs> Double murder. Same, same, uh, same culprit. Oof. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. Uh, Hihachiro then wakes up and quickly takes credit for the deduction. And he says that Mori must be copying my style. So, <laughs> no worries there. I love, I love this guy. I love the old pervert. He he's exactly the same too. Because after waking up, he's like, oh ha ha ha! Of course, I <laughs> solved everything. 
After the ending song, we see Ron helping her father back to their place. It's there when they notice that the Mori Detective Agency logo has been covered with a sign that says Shiota Hihachiro Detective <laughs> Agency. I love that. It's so funny. <laughs> what if what if that was the show? And it was just like these little random pieces of paper. It it wasn't even like a real professional job. He's just no. like one afternoon puts like post-its up. He's like, it's my agency now. Hachiro <laughs> tells Koger that he's in no shape to do anything and just to leave it to him. Uh, that's when his wife arrives, who scolds him for fooling around and drags him back. She's calling him a two-timer. And, uh, so <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think she has reason to, though. <laughs> Like, let's be honest. How many butts have you touched? That's right. And Ron, like, raises her hand. And Cannon remarks that Uncle's flirtatious personality was also something that he inherited from his master. Yep. That's what I said at the beginning. I was like, what a fun episode. It was fun. I I love the idea of the old weathered detective coming back. And, like you said, I, I really wish that we see more of him. Yeah, I loved getting to see, you know, like we we don't often see Kegger have like a ton of respect for other people. Usually when he is like showing respect, it's more out of like sucking up to somebody out of like prominence or they have like money and stuff like that. So it, we we don't usually see somebody that he actually respects a ton, but we've kind of seen it a few times recently because we had that case with his uh, superior officer that invited him to that barbecue and wound up killing somebody. Yeah. Um, I was really glad that Hihachiro didn't murder anybody here because I was worried at the beginning. Yeah, exactly. Although, um, okay, so you know how Conan uses him to do the deduction show? Yeah. I've always wondered about the the bow tie, the voice-changing bow tie, because Conan um, has used it before. Or maybe, I don't know if he's used it before, but he definitely at some point uses it to uh, to mimic other people's voices who he doesn't know, like he doesn't interact with every day. So in this case, like he had a, he had some time with the, with the, I can't say his name, Haihachiru. Yeah. But I don't know when he would have had time to like record his voice so it always i've always wondered how the bow tie works exactly so i know there's like knobs i don't think it's like yeah they don't really ever go into specific but i know there's knobs and then there's like numbers on the side and you like tune it to get the right like yeah. uh i guess like depth of the bass uh like baritone and somebody's voice um but yeah i mean Okay, I I always thought it was like that he gets a sample of someone's voice and then the knobs are just like he's setting it to like, okay, I'm setting it to Kogoro today or I'm setting it to Sonico. But in this case, I don't know when he would have necessarily recorded a sample of this guy's well, voice. Well, let us check the Detective Conan wiki. Maybe they, here we go. Technical details. <laughs> for, <laughs> for me. All right, here I'm we sorry, go. Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm very into the Well, details. I'm interested. I, I never gave this enough thought. So. Okay. Uh, the theory behind the voice-changing bow tie is that it works on a frequency modifier system based on patterns from the voice it is to emulate. Voice changes are a real technology. In the real world, the voice-changing bow tie has many flaws, such as the frequency response for the size of the speakers, um, as they wouldn't be able to reproduce frequency of a voice realistically. The frequency modifier, in most cases, 
wouldn't be able to replicate the subtle but also distinguishable variations of another person's voice. In order to even change the sound in the first place, they will need components such as a mic, speaker, processor, and powerful batteries to keep it all running. Last but not least, the voice changing bow tie needs to have Conan needs to have Conan's voice inverted to cancel out his voice completely. Otherwise, it would be present and noticeable. As this is a fictional drama with many factual references, take it with a grain of salt. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's, this, this was just... not as technical as I thought it would be. Um, yeah, but poor Agasa. Yeah, it just says that he uh, turns the dial to mimic voices. We don't get much, uh, by the way, of uh, how it, like the technical like, aspects in anime or whatever. So. All right. Well, I guess it's just like how Ron can't recognize that he's Shinichi. I'm just supposed to accept it and move on. Clearly. <laughs> uh, we then get the next Conan's hint, which is computer virus. Although I thought it was floppy disks, to be honest. Floppy disks. So the image is, I think it was like a computer with floppy disks. So I'm like, ooh, okay. And then it turns out it's computer virus. So, um, yeah, I was mistaken. It happens. Man, I wonder how many of our listeners don't even know what a floppy disk is. Oh, yeah. Man, remember them, Colleen? I do. Well, how much do they hold? They, they held like, I don't know. If you like fi- 50 15 kilobytes. megabytes. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't even megabytes. I think it was just kilobytes. Oh, were they? Oh, like like the very first ones. Yeah, which is even crazier. Um, so Conan says the next episode is an ultra big case, and somehow Genta mishears that as an ultra large ill. Okay, I'm sure it works in the Japanese. Yeah, but it just makes him seem like a very hungry boy, which he is. Yeah. He's hungry for eel all the time, too. I think Kyle will be very happy with these little end, end of anime gags because he at least gets a little bit of Detective Boys even in these episodes where they don't appear. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, yeah, I, I thought these were both really solid episodes. Um, I really enjoyed the second one in particular, especially with the wife coming in at the end. I thought that was hilarious. Oh, she was awesome. So, yeah, big fan of Hihachiro and uh, his butt-touching methods, which... I haven't tried out, but I'm just saying there might be some science to back it up, Colleen. Science? Okay. I, yeah. I am a man of science, and I, I just feel like this should be clinically tested. I'm not saying that I personally should be the one to touch all the butts and find out, but I'm also not saying that it shouldn't be me. Okay, so you're going to need, like, two groups, and I'm not sure what your placebo is going to be in this case, but good luck with that. Um... <laughs> I will mention about the wife though, and like this is there was nothing wrong with this. I just thought it was a brilliant choice on the part of the um, I guess the producers or the casting crew to get a I think it was a male voice actor that did her voice. Like unless, oh, did they? I mean, I didn't look it up, but the voice was so deep and it sounded like a a man. I was like that that's excellent, excellent choice. She is she's much bigger than he is. That yeah, that's right. But it's like that classic like. When the wife is sort of the dominating one in the relationship, so she's always like bigger in size and stronger and all that. So it was fun. So you're saying that maybe she grabs his butt to learn what he's been up to? Well, that's maybe where he learned it from. <laughs> yes. 
so yeah that'll do it for these two fun episodes uh next week we have quite the entertaining trio a three-parter for you guys as it's the night baron murder case so i'm I'm very excited excited. yes finally i don't remember a ton about the case like no neither do i so so it better be good because i'm going in there with high expectations yeah so i'm high it better be good if we have to watch three episodes that's right yeah i'm excited for that and uh that'll do it for this episode you can uh Follow the podcast on Twitter. It's case underscore reopened. Uh, And Kyle should be back next week. I also believe Justin should be back. So we should have a full house here. That's going to be crazy. Yeah. and uh, We're going to have to take turns. Like when people are supposed to speak. Well, that's my job as the host. I'm supposed to direct the conversation. Okay. Excellent. Thank but, goodness uh, you're here. What would we do without you? Uh, probably have a more entertaining show. Oh no! <laughs> I, pro- I think I'd rather just listen to you talk for an hour, Colleen. I mean, we can arrange something. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't know how interesting a monologue will be. Like, yeah, what well, did you well, think you... of that, Colleen? I thought that was brilliant, Colleen. Well, you were talking up your your theater theater cred, so I feel like you have a, a experience performing monologues <laughs> yeah my day with conan my day with conan all right i'll uh coming to a podcast near you in the future yeah we can put up some monologues as a as a special episode <laughs> we have the capability all right yeah, um, i so... don't know if anyone wants that <laughs> Uh, yeah so that'll do it for this episode we'll be back next week a three-parter so probably be a long episode although we went long today as well but uh yeah bye sorry i just talk a lot uh (laughs) bye and remember one truth always prevails